Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education. Hosted by travel physical therapist duo, Whitney and Jared. We've been travelers since 2015 and have hacked our travel therapy careers to achieve financial independence and semi-retire in our 30s. We now travel all over the world with our financial and time freedom. If you're ready to use travel therapy to achieve your own financial freedom, join us each month on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or listen to the replay right here on our podcast. If you're new to travel therapy and are ready to get started, contact us to get connected with travel therapy recruiters and companies we recommend by visiting TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. If you're ready to remove the guesswork and jumpstart your travel therapy career, let us teach you step-by-step everything you need to know to get started and be financially successful as a travel therapist by enrolling in our comprehensive travel therapy course titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. You can visit TravelTherapyMentor.com slash course and use the discount code TRAVEL to save $150 on our course. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash course, and the discount code is TRAVEL. And if you're looking for the best way to get your CUs online, as a traveler who's always on the go, you can use our discount code to get the best rate on an annual MedBridge subscription, which is where we get all of our online CEUs. Use code TTM for the discount at MedBridge.com. Again, that's code TTM at MedBridge.com. And last, if you're interested in getting started with credit card hacking to take advantage of free or low-cost travel like we do, check out our top credit card recommendations for travelers at TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. All right, and now on to this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor video. Tonight we're doing a job market update. It's been a few months now since we last did one. Um, we really didn't pay that much attention to the market uh, in general, like job trends and things like that for the first few few weeks of the year because we were traveling. So um, it was good to do a job update and get some information from the recruiters and uh, see how things are going more recently for our benefit as well. But uh, we also wanna give you guys that information. So we collected a bunch of information from all the companies and recruiters that we work with and uh, want to tell you guys about some of the job trends, job numbers, and um, all of that. So Whitney's going to introduce us, and I'm going to get this video shared in a couple groups. All right. Hey, everyone. For those that may not know us, we are Whitney and Jared Kazaza. We're both traveling doctors of physical therapy. We both started Travel PT when we were new grads in 2015. So we're actually coming up on nine years um, of being travelers and a little, a little over nine years of how long we've been involved in the industry since we started kind of doing our research and um, talking to recruiters and everything back before we ever even graduated PT school. So um, it's going on a decade of us being involved in the industry. Um, over the years, we have grown Travel Therapy Mentor to where we know lots of recruiters, lots of company owners, lots of managers. Um, we know lots of travelers. We know lots of former travelers, newer travelers. We've mentored probably thousands of therapists at this point to help them get started with their travel therapy journey. So we know a lot about the industry and over the years we have started doing these job market updates to give you guys the best information that's available and keep you informed of what's happening in the job market. We actually started doing these job market updates in 2019 when there were some Medicare changes that happened back then that were affecting the job market and then obviously in 2020 we continued them um, through that time where it was very tumultuous and things really started to get better for the travel therapy job market in 21 and 22. And we have continued these job market updates every 
every quarter or every um, six months, just depending. The last one that we did was in November, so we're a little bit past due for an update. So hopefully today we can bring you a lot of the information about what's happening um, for travel therapists for 2024. And this is mainly gonna encompass the physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech language pathology job market. Um, we don't do a ton with nursing and other disciplines, although we do get tidbits about those other disciplines a little bit here and there from our recruiters that work with both. So the information that we're gonna provide you today is gonna to come from 12 different companies that we work with. And depending on the company, we might've asked a recruiter, we might've asked a manager, or we might've asked the owner. So we're getting a variety of data and information across different companies. These are also different sized companies. So some of them are very small, maybe they only have one recruiter and therefore they're gonna have access to less jobs and maybe more of like a niche area of certain types of jobs. Some of these are massive companies that employ thousands of travelers and have hundreds of recruiters. So we're gonna get a wide variety of information um, and statistics here. So this is pertinent information, both if you're, you are a current traveler or if you're someone who's thinking about getting into travel therapy, because this is gonna let you know what to expect in the coming months with your job searches. So hopefully this information will be helpful to all of you. If you are watching live with us tonight on Facebook, we would love if you would just say hello in the comments. I do see that quite a few of you have joined online with us. Hi, Joel. Good to see you. And Joel's a current travel PT. Hey, Claudia. Hey, I see a few of you guys on here. So I'd love if you just say hi in the comments. Let us know um, if you're what discipline you are. Are you a student? Are you a clinician? Hey, Ashley. Are you someone who's thinking about getting into travel therapy? Let us know who you are. And then um, if you have any questions throughout the video, feel free to type them in the comments and we'll answer your question. Um, if you are watching later or listening later on the podcast, thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. Yep. So the job market um, in 2024, we mentioned last time we did an update that it was looking like things were going to be pretty steady going into 2024. And so far that has been pretty accurate. All the companies are saying that um, trends are staying relatively stable. There's not a whole lot of change in terms of numbers of jobs or pay rates or anything like that which is good news. Um, it's good when things are relatively stable and not jumping all around like they did for a couple years there. Um, it's good for everybody. It's good for travelers knowing what to expect, you know, having stability in their jobs. It's good for facilities knowing what to offer. It's good for travel companies. So we really like that there's more stability now. Um, and that's been the case for probably about a year and a half. So um, yeah, so a lot of the companies said that there, things were very steady and they've continued to be steady and they look like they'll be steady for the foreseeable future, which is really, nice after so much um, so much fluctuation over the, the past few years. Yeah, and so just to give you a little background, um, we started traveling in 2015, and the job market was what we would consider fairly good for PTs. Uh, we're both physical therapists ourselves. From 2015 through about 2019, everything was really good. We didn't really have much trouble finding jobs. At times, it was competitive as a pair. Um, and then also back then, our preferred setting has always been outpatient, and it was harder to come by outpatient jobs back then. Um, back then, a lot of the jobs were more skilled nursing, hospital, home health, that sort of thing with less outpatient. So that was kind of the trend before, but I would say it was like a pretty good market for, for most disciplines. In 2020, all the jobs dropped off. No one needed therapists. Um, everyone got laid off. Everyone got fired. There were hardly any travel therapy jobs all through um, three quarters of 2020 from March to the end of the year. And then about half of 21, it was kind of that same way it started to pick up just slightly in 21. Now about halfway through 2021 through all of 2022, the job market was booming for most disciplines, but especially PT. 
Um, so there was just this huge increase in jobs in 20, late 21 and early 22. This is when we saw a lot of new therapists come into the travel therapy market that had never traveled before, especially PTs who were really chasing some high rates. Um, at this time, there were some crisis type contracts, some really high rates. Um, so you got some travelers that were really used to those higher rates. Now, since 23 and leading up to now, some of the trend that we've been seeing is that some of the rates have kind of started to what they call normalize. And so we're starting to see a market that's going back to like a pre-2020 market. So kind of more like a 2019 market, but, but a little bit better. Um, and we'll get into the details of what all that means. But that's kind of the trend that we've seen over the years that we've been doing these updates. Yep. Okay. So we're going to go over the numbers. Um, like we say every time, there's a range here, and the range can sometimes be pretty big. And the reason for that is that uh, different size companies, different companies have different numbers of jobs. And in general, bigger companies have more jobs, and in general, smaller companies have less jobs. So if you hear a big range, uh, also some companies don't specialize in certain areas as much as other companies do. So um, it can be a pretty big range, but um, we'll talk more about the averages as well. So for PT, the range right now is anywhere between 300 to 800 open jobs at any given time. For OT, somewhere between 65 and 200 open jobs at any given time. SLP, somewhere between 80 to 300. PTA, 75 to 200. And CODA, 10 to 75. So that's the range. Um, again, uh, pros and cons of working with big or small companies, but in general, bigger companies have the higher end of that range and small companies have the lower end of the range. And I will mention that the SLP range that we gave between 80 and 300, that's on average for most companies. We did have one company that said they have over 500 SLP jobs, but they were very much an outlier and that's because they mostly do schools. So when we're looking at the overall SLP need across all disciplines, most companies, most medical settings, it's kind of between about 100 and 300. Now, if you start looking at the companies that do a lot of schools, your numbers are gonna jump up to 500 for school contracts. Yeah, so compared to 2023, the only real differences are there's slightly less OT jobs, which I know is disappointing for OTs out there. Um, we've kind of seen the OT market has never really recovered from pre-2020, uh, and that's continued. And, and sometimes it's even weaker than it was um, last year, currently. And then um, for PTAs, their market has actually improved um, steadily between probably the end of 2022 to now. It's gradually getting better. So those are the only real changes. PT has not changed much. SLP has not changed much. Um, CODA really isn't much different either. So mostly a little bit worse job market for OTs and a little better job market for PTAs. Everything else relatively stable. Yeah, so everything compared to like, let's say 2019, PT's better. OT's about the same, if not a little bit lower. SLP's about the same. Um, PTA and CODA are about the same. There's a little bit of a lower number of o uh, CODA jobs and that just kind of flows with the lower number of OT jobs. Um, and there's slightly more PTA jobs that kind of goes with the more PT jobs. Um, there also was a decline already pre-2020 because of some changes with Medicare. So we saw that with um, the PDPM, the PDGM changes, that affected home health and skilled nursing, that was in 2019 and early 2020. That saw a little bit of a decline in the use of assistance because there were some budget cuts and some of these facilities were trying to find a way to staff less and cut some cut some of their budget. So they started um, decreasing their job numbers and laying off some assistance. And then we saw further budget cuts where Medicare has lower reimbursement rates now and that is also affecting facilities use of assistance. So in general, there's been a little bit of decline in assistant jobs overall since like 2019. Yep. So whenever we do these job updates, we'll usually get questions in the video or after the video 
about why OT is lagging behind PT. Because we've talked about before, the job market for PT really is better probably than it was uh, pre-2020. It's probably one of the best job markets we've ever seen. Besides that uh, year of 2022 where things were just crazy, at one point there was like 1,200 jobs. But in general, things are even better than they were before 2020. So OT is not recovered. And we always get the question, why is that? And uh, we never really know for sure. Uh, we've asked the companies, the recruiters, obviously, they, they don't really know for sure either. They just see the orders come in. They can just tell us numbers. Um, they can guess just like we can guess. But this time we did a little bit more research. We looked into the numbers a little bit just to try to give you guys a little more insight um, and try to make our opinions a little bit more informed. Yeah, and so one of the things that I've been wondering is, you know, what are the trends in terms of the number of OTs and PTs coming out of school? What are the trends in terms of the OTs and the PTs that exist? You know, how many licensed OTs are there versus how many licensed PTs are there? Um, and of course, when I went to go look for this data, this is talking about just overall in the US. So not the travel market, but just in general in the professions, which we found basically trends with travel because the reason why there are travel positions is because there's there's permanent positions that need to be filled and then they use travelers temporarily to fill those permanent positions, right? So they kind of go hand in hand. Um, so as far as um, numbers go, um, the data that I found is as of uh, 2022, this is the most recent data I could find, there were about 135,000 employed occupational therapists in the US. And there were about 230,000 employed physical therapists. So based on this data, it shows that there's about 40% more physical therapists in the U.S. than there are occupational therapists. Yeah, so if you think about job numbers, if there's 40% more PTs than there are OTs, uh, you'd expect to see about 40% more jobs just at baseline for PT than OT. Um, you do see more than that right now, and the other reason that we think that might be is because a lot of the PT jobs, um, more than pre-2020, are outpatient and there's not as much demand for outpatient OTs as there are for outpatient PTs. So we think that uh, that pickup in outpatient therapy, that outpatient is booming all across the country right now. Um, I think that is leading to higher numbers for PTs and that is not necessarily translating to the OT market. So um, the combination of more PTs, meaning more jobs would be open and um, more of those jobs being outpatient, I think is probably causing some of the, the disparity between PT and OT travel job openings. Yeah, and similarly in terms of, you know, we talked about the statistics on how many PTs exist, how many OTs exist. Similarly, in terms of education and school, more PTs graduate and come into the field every year than OTs. So the numbers I was able to find is that there's about 12,000 PT, uh, DPTs graduating each year um, versus only about 9,000 OTs each year. And some data I found is that they're expecting that that number to, of PTs even to increase by 2026. They're expecting about 14,000 um, per year coming out and becoming licensed. Um, and then this is some interesting data in terms of PT that I found. Um, and again, this is all just in general. This isn't specifically pertaining to travel, but it kind of leads us to know why there might be an increased need for travelers. So they said, despite the DPT programs graduating over 12,000 graduates per year, the APTA estimates that more than 25,000 positions will not be filled by 2025 due to a shortage of physical therapists. Yep. So they're saying that there's all these PT needs and openings and not enough therapists to fill them. And I think this is where travel therapists comes in. I think this is where there are so many um, travel PT needs. Yeah, 
That's a really interesting thing because it's not that there's not a demand for OT, obviously there still is, um, but it seems like the PT demand has really skyrocketed. And, and part of that seems to be because um, there's so much, that the, I guess the population is getting older, right? And there are OTs obviously that work with um, elderly, but there's also a lot of OTs that work in schools and there's less children now and there's more elderly. So there's not as many PTs working in schools as there are OTs working in schools. So those jobs have not really changed much, whereas the demand to work with the elderly or the older population has really skyrocketed in the last five or six years. So um, that's another reason why PT might be uh, a little bit more in demand than OT is. Yeah, um, when I went to, the, the data I found was from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they actually broke it down not only by the number of physical therapists that exist and the number of OTs that exist, um, but by setting. And it showed that there were more physical therapists employed in all medical settings compared to occupational therapists. So outpatient was through the roof, more PTs than OTs. Um, home health was slightly higher PTs than OTs. Acute was slightly higher. Skilled nursing was slightly higher. The only setting in which OTs were higher employed than PTs was schools. And so as Jared said, with our aging population, and then also we think after 2020, we had a lot more um, change in medical status of people who delayed care during 2020. They put off um, regular medical checks. They maybe became more sedentary, more ill. Um, they maybe actually you know, got sick from the virus, um, causing them to have other medical problems. They may have also delayed care for um, elective surgeries, leading to kind of this backlog of um, especially orthopedic, but also medical conditions for um, elderly people, leading to a higher demand for PTs. Now, again, we understand that OTs also work with um, geriatrics, but we definitely think on the outpatient side, there's, that's one reason why there's so many more outpatient needs for physical therapists, which is... Um, kind of how I mentioned earlier, back in 2015 through 2019, when we were working as travel PTs, wanting mostly outpatient jobs, we could hardly find any outpatient jobs. Now, all the companies are telling us that they just had a boom in need for outpatient physical therapists. Yeah. Um, so one thing is, again, this change in our population, this change in their health status. The other thing that we've noticed, just more anecdotally, I didn't find data on this, but um, we know so many people that left, that left the profession, that especially left outpatient PT because of burnout, um, because of reimbursement rates being lower, which means that the outpatient clinics have to see more patients in order to make money. Um, so therefore their caseloads are more full and we hear of a lot more outpatient PTs just feeling really burnt out because they're having to like work in these mill settings. And so people are leaving outpatient therapy to either go to another setting or leave PT altogether. Yeah. Um, and so right now there's just a huge demand for outpatient PTs. So, um, again, this is just some data that we found to try to support maybe the trends that we're seeing on why there's a need for more travel PTs than there is a need for um, travel OTs. Yeah, so Tyler said uh, PTs leaving outpatient, and yeah, definitely. Um, PTs have left outpatient, but also at the same time, the demand is increasing for outpatient PTs. So you, you have the situation where there's just so many outpatient openings now, um, especially in rural areas that they just cannot fill. So those travel jobs are sitting open for long periods of time. We're actually looking for jobs right now. And uh, I mean, we have our, our pick of outpatient jobs. There's so many and yeah. they're just, they're not getting any applicants. We, we interviewed for one and they're just waiting on our answer because they're not getting applicants. So um, unfortunately, the unfortunately and fortunately, I guess, uh, it's great for job security, but it's not good for the patients to have these positions that are just sitting open. Um, um, so I, we are gonna talk a little bit more about settings later. I didn't ask the companies specifically to give us a breakdown of like, 
the percentage or the number of jobs um, in their total jobs that are this setting, this setting, or this setting. However, I was texting with one of our recruiters earlier about this PTOT topic, and she was also agreeing that a big piece of it was this outpatient PT. And she said um, this company had 800, out, um, 800 physical therapist openings. And she said of those 800 physical therapist openings, about, I think she said like 300 of them were outpatient. Which so is abnormal. That's almost half. And so, I mean, some of these companies don't even have 300 OT jobs period, much less 300 outpatient OT jobs. So that is making a big chunk of the difference on yeah. why we're a higher demand for um, PT. If you took out that um, that outpatient PT whole portion, the jobs would be pretty close in terms of there being 40% more PT, so you'd expect 40% more jobs. That'd be pretty close if you took out the outpatient portion. Yeah, so I do think that's a big factor. <clears throat> so this sounds like bad news for OTs, but it's not bad news. Um, there's good news as well. Uh, the good news is that there might be fewer job openings, but there's also fewer... Um, OT travelers, and we have seen that definitely subjectively, uh, just with the number of people that reach out for advice from us, um, for people that reach out about our jobs, uh, about just a variety of things. There's just not as many OTs traveling. So even though there are fewer jobs, that doesn't mean necessarily that you're not gonna be able to find jobs as an OT. It just means you might be a little bit more limited on the settings, the locations, uh, the pay rates might not be as high, but you can definitely still travel as an OT. You're still gonna find jobs. There's not as much competition. Yeah, um, again, subjectively, like we know so many less travel OTs. We have been to both the National Physical Therapy um, APTA conference before, as well as the National Occupational Therapy conference, which, by the way, if you're an OT listening to this, we are going to be going to that conference again, the AOTA conference, in a couple of weeks. So we've been to both. And consistently at every conference, we, one, meet less travelers that are existing travelers there. Usually at the Travel PT conference, we meet see dozens of other travel therapists there that we know, um, not so much on the OTs. And then also there's usually less interest. Um, when we are at a booth for the PT conference, we get dozens and dozens and dozens of PTs coming up asking about travel, whereas it's not as much traffic for OT. So um, again, even though there are a little bit less jobs, I think there's also less competition for those jobs. Now I didn't specifically, we didn't specifically get that data, but I think um, in doing this research this weekend, I was like, you know what, that's a question I should ask next time and I'll try to get you guys that information. Ask the recruiters what percentage of your travelers are OTs um, that you employ, that you are searching for jobs for, because I would be really intrigued and I, I bet it's a lot smaller number yeah. from what we know. Anecdotally, when we go to the conferences, PTs are just like lining up to try to talk to us at the booth. And then we go to the OT conference and there are significantly fewer numbers of people that are even interested in travel. You'll say something about travel and they're like, I'm not doing that. And uh, I mean, it's it's very noticeable difference. I'm, I'm sure part of that is that our audience is primarily PTs. People recognize us when we go to the PT conference, whereas they don't so much when we go to the OT conference. That's part of it, but that definitely does not explain the, the massive difference that we see. Yeah, so with that said, based on the job numbers, um, we can definitely see that the job market is still the strongest for PT, followed by skilled nursing, or not skilled, <laughs> SLP followed by OT. OT is still a strong market, just not quite as strong as PT and SLP, followed by PTA, followed by CODA. Um, now we're gonna dig into some more of the data to see what the companies had to say in general about the market um, settings and other questions. Um, before we get into that, thanks for those of you guys that are tuning in live. I see a few of you have left comments. If you have questions as we're going through, please feel free to leave your question in the comments section. Um, give us a thumbs up if you are enjoying this video, if you are learning something. Feel free to tag a friend if you think it's something that they need to hear or learn about um, so you can send them our way 
Hey, Jessica. Hey, Michael. Hey, Annette. Annette says she is an OT. I hope I'm saying, I hope I'm saying your name right. Hi, Kay. Hi, Uli. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong as well. Hi, Juan. Can't wait to take the exam next year. Good luck, Juan. Hey, Christy. Hey, Tyler. Hi, Kimmy. Hi, Kirsten. Hi, Cyril. Hi, Raul. Hi, Alyssa. Oh my gosh, lots of you guys on. Hey, Bob. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Kayla. So leave us a comment, a question if you have it. All right, so we asked, how has the job market been in general for Q1? Um, like we mentioned earlier, they're all pretty much saying that the job market's still very strong. There was no one saying that it has gotten worse or that it's declining. Everyone's saying it's either staying steady or you know slightly increasing, mostly in the PT realm, um, but very steady and uh, just a strong market still in general and um, not any real sign of it decreasing anytime soon. Yeah, I think steady was the real trend here because we had a huge decline in 2020, early 21, and then we had a huge increase past baseline in 21, 22, which was exciting, but it was not sustainable. And when we get into talking about the rates and things like that, we're gonna talk about that too. A lot of them are just saying, it's kind of nice through 23 and 24 to just have steady and not things that are, are not sustainable for the facilities. Um, because yes, you had a lot of travelers really excited about this great market, but it wasn't sustainable, just like the nursing, craziness of 2020 was not sustainable, right? And then we saw nursing fall off. So it's actually good that it's steady, it just is consistent, right? Yeah, so then we asked, how does the market compare to pre-2020? And uh, basically every company said that PTs, you have more options, higher pay than pre-2020. For SLPs um, and uh, PTAs, it's pretty close to what it was prior. And for OTs and CODAs, it's a little bit slower now than it was pre-2020. Um, and you know, with this said, we're going to talk about what this means for each discipline. Um, one trend that came up is because the PT job market is so good, it's giving PTs a lot more choices. The ball is a lot more in their court. They have a lot more offers available to them, a lot more negotiating power. But we'll get into talking a little bit about what that means for each discipline later. So then we asked, how does the current job market compare to last year? And pretty much across the board, everyone said that it's pretty similar, not much change, no decreases, if anything, it's staying pretty average or increasing slightly. Yeah. Um, and then we asked them similarly, what do you foresee for the rest of this year? Because this is something that's really important for those of you that are either current travelers or thinking about getting into travel therapy, because you're like, well, it's been good, but is it still going to be good? Because if you're in a situation where you're thinking about getting into it, especially if you're thinking about leaving a permanent job, you wanna know if it's a stable, job market to get into because that's a big commitment for you, right? Yep. And in general, again, most of them said steady and a couple even said that they think that 2024 will be the best year ever. Um, not so much in like highest pay rates in most jobs, but just like the biggest um, match between what, what travelers are looking for and what facilities need. So getting people in jobs, getting people placed, um, some of the companies are looking at 2024 as potentially being their best year ever. Yeah, and most of them said that they don't see anything um, that's gonna, you know, uh, un barring unforeseen circumstances, they don't see anything on the horizon that would change this. They think that there's still going to be a strong demand for therapists. Um, again, kind of if you think about this medical stuff that we're talking about, like we still have a need for our services in different medical capacities um, with our aging population and, and so forth. Um, and they're still predicting lots of surgeries, lots of need for therapists. Um, especially in the medical field, but you know, obviously there's always going to need to be a need for pediatrics as well. Yep. Okay. Then we asked what settings currently have the highest demand for PT, OT, and SLP. For PT, they said that um, outpatient 
followed by skilled nursing, followed by hospitals, followed by home health. That's really the top four right now, which it's amazing to see outpatient as like basically number one or two right now um, up there with skilled nursing. Cause for as long as we've been involved in travel therapy, skilled nursing's always had the most number of jobs. So to see outpatient even close, is really cool to see. Um, for OT, skilled nursing is the highest followed by schools. And for SLP, schools, skilled nursing, and then acute care. Yeah, and then again, a couple of them kind of mentioned that they have seen that home health and hospital job openings for um, OT have kind of declined this year, just a little bit since last year. Um, so definitely still high need for skilled nursing uh, for OTs. Next thing we asked about was if they're seeing any changes in rates. Yep, so um, most of them said that rates from last year to this year are about the same. As we mentioned, they kind of already came down a little bit from 22, where we saw some really high rates, especially for PT. But they said it's about the same. Now, they did mention that they are starting to see a little bit of a pullback from some clients that are wanting to get back to like those 2019 rates. They're not wanting to continue to pay these high rates, but a lot of it has to do with supply and demand. If they are still having significant needs and, and jobs sitting open where they need a therapist, they may have to keep paying these higher rates. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, we did see a drawback on the rates for nursing. It wasn't sustainable in 2020, the crazy nursing rates, and now the nursing rates have gone down. So it's possible that we do see the therapy rates trickle down, but for the most part, they've been stagnant. They've, they're steady since last year, which is good. Yeah, and of course, facilities are going to want to pay as low as possible, right? And travelers are going to want to make as much as possible. And um, what we've seen is there was enough demand and not enough supply of therapists that that pushed the, the uh, rates up and that has normalized a little bit but it's really hard to envision a situation especially for the pt market where there's going to be enough travelers to to fill the demand of all the jobs that are open and like i said we we're looking for jobs right now and pretty much any job we submit to we're going to get an interview right away um, a lot of these outpatient clinics are really desperate for pts and it's hard to imagine a situation where that is not the case, especially in the less desirable areas or less desirable states. You're probably gonna see this imbalance between supply and demand for a long time. Um, people are getting older, they need more care, and it's hard to imagine a situation where you get enough PTs traveling to fill the need for all these open outpatient jobs. Yeah, there was um, some companies that did say that some of the facilities are less willing to negotiate, but that's not the same across the board. It just just depends on the client. Um, it depends on the demand. But they said that some of the clients they are seeing pull back just a little bit and be, hold firm on the rate that they have posted. But again, it just depends on the supply and demand for the job. And we'll get into talking more about your negotiating power. Um, one interesting comment, one of our recruiters who works with both nursing and allied, allied encompassing therapy, as well as like um, nurse, or not nurses, but like um, ultrasound, CT, CT yeah, um, lab, that kind of stuff. Um, she said that she's actually seeing some rates for allied be higher than nursing now, which is kind of good news because that was like totally the opposite in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, um, and so. that's kind of how it used to be. Back before 2020, it was pretty normal to see um, therapy rates being pretty close or even higher than nursing rates. And then obviously for the last four years that has completely flipped, but now we're going back to normal. So for the most part, things are starting to normalize, but in terms of rates, on our job list and everything, we still see some really high rates. So there are some really high paying jobs out there. It's just that the average is starting to come down. You're starting to see some of those jobs that are paying 16 or $1,700 a week that were basically kind of gone for a year, year and a half that are starting to come back. And honestly, those jobs probably will not fill, um, but they're out there. 
And uh, that is part of the numbers that we're seeing as these lower paying jobs come back. Yeah, I, and also I think it's important to note if you're familiar with our hot jobs list, sometimes people get a skewed understanding of the job market and the rates because they only look at hot jobs lists like ours and others. Um, what you have to understand about what we call a hot job list is these are some of the top, I don't know what percent, probably 10% of jobs out there. It is not all the jobs. So as we mentioned, there could be 800 PT jobs open. Um, now on our list between PT, OT, and speech, we have less than 200 jobs. So it, we only list a small percentage of the hot jobs. So even though we choose to only post on there some of the best and um, highest paying jobs, that doesn't mean that all jobs pay that. So you might get the expectation that you should only be taking jobs over 2000. Now, if you're a PT and you're very flexible on setting and or location, then yes, you can consistently find jobs over 2000. But even if you're a PT, but you're really particular on a certain setting and a certain location, if that setting and that location aren't paying 2000, yes, you might still be making these rates of 16, 17, 1800 a week. And for occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, you're not gonna as consistently see these 2000 plus jobs. Yes, there are some out there, to, and if you wanna chase the high rates, you can, but if you're someone who's extremely location specific or you're looking in a setting like a like school or skilled nursing, that those tend to pay a little lower, you're not gonna only see over 2000. So yeah. just keep that in mind. Yeah, and that's, that's a little bit of the frustrating thing about travel therapy is nothing's black and white, and you see a lot of information being exchanged in like groups and things, where in text, people try to make things black and white because it's hard to explain nuance in text and it's also time consuming to explain nuance. And you'll see these situations where people say only take jobs paying over 2,300 a week or something like that. And yes, for the right person, and maybe the person saying that is the type of person that is willing to go wherever and take whatever job, the highest paying. But we get people all the time that are like two OTs traveling together and uh, they wanna be in Washington state. You're not gonna get jobs paying $2,200 a week consistently as two OTs traveling together in that situation. So everything is context dependent, uh, so just keep that in mind. And like Whitney said, our job list is the highest paying jobs, a lot of the highest ones or some of the best locations, those types of things. So they're not, it's not an accurate reflection of what the average of the market is. Yeah, unfortunately you have to be wary of who the um, person speaking is that's giving you advice. Um, if you're just looking in groups or even on Reddit or on Instagram or whatever, um, you know, know who the speaker is because we've been in this industry a long time and we, again, we talk to, we work with like 50 different recruiters. We work with a dozen companies. We get really well-rounded information from lots of different companies. Um, a lot of these people who are just trying to sell you on travel therapy and tell you how great it is and tell you how great their recruiter is and how much money they make, they might just be one solo traveler who works with one or two recruiters. Um, we might actually know the behind the scenes. I might look at that person posting in that group and be like, okay, I can see that you're a solo um, PT traveler who is willing to go where the high jobs are and you have home health experience and you work mostly in California. So as a solo PT traveler with home health experience working in California, yeah, you can make $2,500 all day, all week, all year. Um, but we consistently talk to dozens of people a week. We get coming through our inbox and our email and we get 
all stories from every end of the spectrum. We get your solo PT traveler chasing the money, willing to rent a room and a house and work only in the Bay Area to make 3,000 a week. We also get your couple that's two OTs or maybe one of them's a PTA and one of them's an OT and they really only want pediatric outpatient and they kind of only want to be in Texas. And I'm like, okay, well, there's probably not going to be that many jobs for the two of you. First of all, you might have to be a little more flexible. Um, but depending on which setting and which location you need to be in and how particular you can be, your rates might be lower. So you just can't take blanket advice from anybody when they don't know your situation at yes. all. Yeah, nothing's black and white in therapy. So just be careful who you're taking advice from. Um, again, I see a bunch of you guys are leaving comments and questions. We're going to answer those toward the end. Thanks for tuning in. Um, okay, so in terms of the data that we gathered and we um, asked a lot of questions of these recruiters and companies, one thing we asked them are, are you seeing many cancellations in contracts? And this is important for you to know because you want to know how stable is your, how, how much job security do you have? Are you going to move across the country and they're just going to um, cancel your contract? Yeah, and so... Pretty much all the recruiters said that, again, pretty steady, not many cancellations. And we've also seen this um, of all the people that we help get placed in jobs. We can see like when they get canceled and it's less than probably less than 5% recently that have gotten canceled. It's it's very low numbers, definitely less than 10%. But um, yeah, somewhere probably in the 5 to 8% range on average contracts get canceled. Yeah, so that's very good. It's a very stable market. Now, they do get canceled occasionally. Typically, it's because they hired a perm person to take that job. Um, but it's a pretty stable market overall. And with there being a lot of job opportunities available, if you do get canceled, there's a pretty good opportunity that you're gonna find another job pretty quickly. Yep, so then we asked about, um, is it a good idea to travel as a new grad right now? We're coming into new grad season. We were just at the, um, the CSM, the PT conference, and so many third year students wanna travel. Uh, we probably talked to, I would bet, two or 300 um, third year students that are very interested in travel. And they all wanna know, is it a good time? And should you travel as a new grad? In general, for PTs and OTs, yes, you can find jobs as a, a new grad traveler. Um, for OT, you do need to be a little bit more flexible on setting and location. PT, you can probably find most of what you're looking for as long as you're flexible on at least one of the, the three, either setting, location, or pay. Um, for SLPs, mainly they're only seeing um, new grads, at least during their CF year, going in schools, which we recommend anyway. Uh, it's usually not a good idea to try to do your CF year working in a bunch of different contracts. It's better to work in a school or something where you have more consistency or just find a longer contract. But most of the places that are going to be willing to take a CF are going to be schools. Yeah, and a school contract is a good fit for an SLP CF if you want to do it during as a travel contract because you can be there for the full nine or 10 months of your CFY um, and get the supervision hours that you need. It's going to be a little harder to line up all your supervision if you're breaking it up into different contracts. So, um, but after you have your C's as an SLP, yes, you have lots of opportunities. Once you've completed your CFY, you're good to go. Um, and, and they will definitely hire you as a traveler. And then just a standard disclaimer, which we gave a ton at the CSM conference. Um, as a new grad traveler, you're not going to be as competitive for jobs that are very desirable. So if you'd really want a San Diego job, chances are it's going to be hard to get that because a lot of travelers want to take that job. And a facility is going to be willing to take someone with experience over someone without experience. So just keep that in mind. If you really want a certain location or a more desirable job, it's going to be harder to get that as a new grad. But if you're, you're willing to just like get some experience, get in a good clinic, you can definitely make that work. Yeah. Um, so we alluded to this earlier, but the next question we asked is, how is the job market for assistance for PTAs and CODAs? 
Um, we actually heard from quite a few. This was the first time we'd heard in several months that there was an uptick in the PTA demand. And they said that this trend is following the increased need for PTs in general. So there's actually been an increased need in PTAs. Unfortunately, CODA is the lowest demand across all settings. Um, as we mentioned earlier with the job numbers, some of the companies only have like as low as like 10 CODA travel jobs in the whole country. Some of them may have closer to 50 or 75, but there's definitely the lowest demand, unfortunately, for CODA. So with this, this means you have to be really, really flexible if you're a CODA who wants to travel. You have to be extremely flexible on the location. The most common setting you're gonna see for CODA jobs is skilled nursing. This is also the most common setting for PTAs. However, they were saying that some um, places like especially outpatient are starting to consider PTAs more if they can't get a PT. Um, some of them even said they had success submitting a PTA to a PT job and see if they might have that flexibility to hire the PTA. Again, it's gonna, it's gonna depend on the facility. Do, are they desperate for an evaluating therapist? But um, sometimes it could work out. Yep. Uh, I was just looking at some data that we have from people that we help get placed, and CODA is only about 1% of the therapists that we get placed. PTA is probably um, between 3 and 4%, so the numbers aren't really high, but also there's not as many CODAs and PTAs looking to travel anyway. So just like we said with OTs, just because the numbers are low, numbers of open jobs are low, doesn't mean you can't find jobs because there's less demand for those jobs oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So we want to summarize everything, give you guys some of our personal recommendations. We also had um, the, the last question I asked everybody was just, do you have any general insights that you want to share? So we'll read through some of these general insights um, while we're getting ready to go through this and wrap up. Again, if you have any questions, please leave them in the comments and we will answer them here in a few minutes. Um, if you enjoyed this video, if you learned anything, please hit the thumbs up button and we would appreciate it. One of the companies, they wanted us to kind of reiterate that rates are negotiable. Um, what what you're seeing a lot of times on job boards right now, a lot of people are watching job boards and, and applying for jobs that way, is just a set rate. And oftentimes that is just the standard bill rate that the facility has put out there. And like we talked about, some of these jobs are sitting open for a long time. And if they get a candidate that is willing to take the job, in some situations they're willing to increase the bill rate $5 or $10 an hour if that's a good candidate for their job. So just because what you see on a job board or what you see advertised it might not look like the highest pay. And a lot of situations, if you apply for that job, you interview, they like you, a lot of times you can get higher rates on those jobs right now, especially for PT and especially in areas that are um, underserved or there's less people applying for those jobs. And this is a good time to talk about your negotiating power. Um, it depends on your discipline. Um, it also helps if you have a good recruiter. This is a really good situation where it helps if you have a great recruiter and you have a great relationship with them. I think there's been a trend with the increase in technology and the increase in use of job boards, which a lot of us just really like job boards better. We'd rather just kind of be more in control, be able to click, 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 choose it ourselves, not have to go through through the recruiter so much. But we do see an increase in therapists wanting to just kind of jump around from company to company for whoever has the highest rate. But you also have to remember with, with this point here is that if you have a good recruiter and they have kind of an inside knowledge about certain jobs that they can see, um, in their database, like not a lot of people are submitted to this job. You might have a really good chance with your resume of actually getting a higher rate than what it says. If you have a great relationship with that recruiter, they can do that for you. But if you're somebody who's burning bridges left and right by screwing over one recruiter after another to chase what you're seeing on job boards, they're not going to be so inclined to help you out because you're not one of their favorite travelers. So 
Yeah, and you know, not that switching companies is screwing over recruiters. There are definitely situations where that is warranted for sure. But we're talking more about where people will interview for a job and then they see the job posted $50 an hour more through a different company and then they say, well, forget that company. I'm going to take it through this company. And you get in these situations where you're really not making that big of a difference in your pay, but you are definitely burning bridges. Yeah. So there's definitely a tactful way to handle working with more than one recruiter. Um, and kind of bumping down, we, we had a few other recruiters say things like, you know, it's great that if you want to work with multiple companies, you have a lot of choices, just try to do it in a professional way. Maintain an open communication with your recruiters because they understand, they get how this market is, especially if you're a PT and you have a lot of choices. It's in your best benefit, your best interest to work with more than one company. We always recommend you work with more than one company and compare offers. But just keep an open communication with them. They get it. They understand they're not going to pressure you as long as they're a good recruiter um, to stay with them. If you just let them know, hey, I really appreciate your help. However, I did decide to take another offer. Um, but we really don't recommend if one company has submitted you for a job that you jump ship and go to another company just because they have a better rate once that company has already gone to bat for you and submitted your application. If you do find out after the fact that this other company can pay higher, you can go back to your recruiter and say, hey, I did see the job post to hire. Is there any way you can match it? And hopefully they'll be able to come up or negotiate with you somehow. But it's definitely a very bad look for you if you um, just cancel with that one company and go with another one. They're probably not going to work with you again. Yeah. Um, and like Whitney said, I think the thing with working with more than one recruiter is be honest, as honest as possible, and communicate as good as possible. Because uh, companies, especially ones that if you're, if you're asking us for advice and we're sending you to recruiters and companies that we work with, they know that we work with multiple companies and they know that we send everyone to multiple companies, right? Um, so they don't expect you to just work with them, but what they do want is if you found a job with a different recruiter, let them know so that they're not still just wasting their time looking for a job for you. So just be considerate. You, you have to remember that they're a, a person that's also trying to help you. They're trying to find a good contract for you. So if you find something or you interviewed for something and it's a definitely possibility for you, let them know that so that they're not spending a lot of their time still looking for jobs for you. With that said, um, when you're trying to navigate that job search um, process, we don't recommend that you submit for too many jobs at one time. Um, usually no more than like two or three. Um, if you submit for six jobs and now all of a sudden you're lining up all these interviews, but then maybe one of the interviews is late and they're taking two weeks to get back to you. And then you have all these other ones that are ready to make you an offer and you're just telling them to wait. That's um, not a good look for you. It's not a good look for your recruiter. Usually when the clients make an offer, they want an answer within 48 hours, things can move really quickly with travel therapy. So just keep in mind, if you are submitting to more than one job, it's a good idea not to submit for more than like two or three at a time um, and be ready to give them an answer one way or another if possible. Yep. Okay. Um, so more about that. Um, one of our other recruiters, um, he's been in the industry a long time and he was concerned with some of the stuff that he's been seeing on social media and he wanted some feedback to know whether many of you guys are submitting for offers and then finding out once you actually get a chance to talk to the recruiter that it was more of a bait and switch. So bait and switch would be where you see a job posted at a certain rate, you contact that recruiter and then lo and behold, they say, oh, actually that job's already gone or oh, the rate's actually not that, it's actually this. But they basically hooked you by posting something really enticing. And he wanted to know if 
basically if some of the jobs he was seeing were legit or if this was happening a lot. So let us know your feedback if you're a current traveler, if you've been baited and switched lately. It certainly does happen sometimes. Yeah. I'm not sure how often, but. We definitely know it happens, especially on the job boards now, because you have to remember that like going to these conferences and things, companies are just trying to get a lot of leads. They're trying to get a big net out there. And what some of them will do is they'll take tacti tactics that are not necessarily the most morally sound, I would say. They'll list jobs either that they don't have anymore or maybe at pay rates that don't actually exist just to get leads. So they'll know that you contact them and they say, oh yeah, we don't have that one, but now that you already filled out the paperwork, what about this job, what about this job? Or they'll say, well, the pay rate's not actually that high. So we know it happens, we just don't know how often it happens. Yeah, and again, sometimes they can be legit. Like maybe you asked about a job and it did just get closed yesterday. That does happen. Like you might've asked about it and they just didn't have time to update their list yet and it closed yesterday. But if you're like consistently seeing this or it's consistently like kind of shady, just curious if that's happening a lot. We do know that there, as we mentioned, there's a much higher demand for therapists right now. And when there's a high demand for therapists, more people are trying to get their hand in the pot. So some of these companies that typically work with nurses are like, oh, nursing market's not very good. PT market's better. Let's switch gears and try to target all these PTs. So some of them might use those shady tactics to try to get you and get your business. So you have to be aware of that. And we're seeing new companies constantly now, like probably once a week, there's a new company that reaches out that we've never heard of that is either a brand new company that just started or a company that is trying to move into therapy that is a nursing company. So, I mean, there are just so many new companies out there and they're all not really used to how therapy works and uh, some of them do things differently. And um, yeah, we definitely know that that happens on job boards. Yeah, so keep an eye out. Um, let's see, this was more about open communication. Um, uh, one of the companies is just reiterating that it's a great job market. Um, the more open you can be, the more opportunities you're going to see. And that's always the case. If you're a little bit more flexible, not so rigid in exactly what you're looking for, you're going to have more opportunities. Um, but again, that's, it depends on your preferences. Like if you're strictly only an outpatient therapist, that's, we get it. Like you're, you're just not going to be willing to go to skilled nursing. But if you are one of those disciplines like OT or CODAs or um, you know maybe even PTAs, you may just have to be a bit more flexible because there just qu aren't quite as many jobs for you. But for the most part, everything is really good. Um, another one, again, just reiterating market strong, no signs of slowing down. Um, are super high paying jobs out there, just not quite as many as we saw in 22. Um, and again, this last comment is more just about being flexible. Um, as we always say, you know, you have three choices, three main categories that you're looking for with, with travel therapy. You have setting, location, and pay. Sometimes you can get all three. Sometimes you can get your dream setting and your dream location with a really high pay rate. Um, especially if you're PT right now, that might be the case. But with other disciplines, it may not be that you can get, you know, home run on all three. So you have to decide where can you be more flexible to find the jobs. Yeah, in a good job market, you're usually gonna get two of three. And in a bad job market, you might get one of three and two of three if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of summarize, you know, I think we've kind of hammered at home, but the PT job market is great. If you're a PT who's a current traveler, you still have a lot of options. If you did start traveling during 22 and you're expecting to consistently see 2,500 plus, you may not always see 2,500 plus a week, but there are consistent contracts for PTs um, 2,000 plus, just depending on where you wanna go. Now, if you're wanting outpatient in Florida, it might not be 2000 it might still be 1700 but if you're wanting outpatient in California or home health in California, yeah, it might be 2000 2500 plus. 
Um, unfortunately, the OT job market is a little bit tighter, but like we mentioned, there are less OT travelers. So it might not be quite as competitive as you think, but again, you may have to just be a little more flexible. Definitely gonna see a lot more skilled nursing contracts, more schools for OT, less. Um, unfortunately, we get asked a lot about like outpatient pediatrics and some specialty settings. We don't see quite as many of those for OTs. Um, as you can imagine, those jobs are just more desirable, more competitive. They're more often filled already by a permanent therapist, so they don't need a traveler there. Um, SLPs, you have a lot of choices, schools especially, but you're gonna definitely see a good variety of medical contracts. You could just have to be a little more flexible on location. The PTA market is actually picking up. It's actually pretty good. You're gonna see your most opportunities as a PTA in skilled nursing, but there are an uptick in other settings such as outpatient hospital. Um, just again, may have to be slightly flexible in setting. If you're a CODA, you have to be the most flexible of anybody. You pretty much are guaranteed to work in skilled nursing and you need to be open to a lot of states. It's a little harder to be a, a CODA traveler, but overall things are good. Um, especially if you're a PT, and if you're a new grad PT, we highly recommend it. Um, it's a great market. Yep. Um, if you have any questions, drop those in the comments. I guess the last thing to say is, again, if you're a new grad watching this or you're a student watching, yes, it's a good market to travel, but that does not mean that travels for everybody. We told all the third year students at CSM this, and we'll tell all the OT students as well, um, travel's not suited for everyone, and it's definitely not suited for every new grad. So anyone that tells you that you should travel as a new grad, be careful because there are definitely people that we meet that it's not the best fit for them. Either they want something very specific or they want to be near a significant other and you know travel. they're not really wanting to travel. They're wanting to take local contracts, which can be hard, or maybe they're just not that confident in their clinical skills. So travel's not for everyone, but if you're the type of person that uh, you feel like you're well-suited for it, you are confident in your clinical skills, then yes, travel as a new grad can be a good fit. Yeah, it's definitely important. Um, we have a lot of articles talking about trying to decide if, if travel is right for you, whether you're a new grad or not. It's not for everyone, and if you're someone who's extremely specific on a certain setting or a certain location, it may not be right for you. Um, but if you do have questions at any time, feel free to send us a message on social media or an email on our website. Um, we also have our recruiter recommendation form if you're looking for help getting connected with great recruiters who hopefully have jobs in your preferred settings, in your preferred um, states um, and we always give you advice and feedback when you email us about if what you're looking for is more realistic or if you may need to consider some other options happy to give you any advice and help you get started yep all right Ashley says that's something my fiance and I struggle with as I'm a, uh, an OT he's a PT finding places placements close to one another due to the difference in the job market yeah it can be hard right now as a couple um, OT and PT is a little easier but we're seeing quite a few like OT couples or OT and PTA or OT and CODA and that can be really hard right now so what we usually recommend in a situation like that is whoever has the fewer job options try to find their job first uh, find something that fits you pretty well and ideally you know know that there's going to be some options around that area within an hour or so for the other one but try to find the job that's more difficult to find first and then um, from there, the other person might have to settle a little bit more, but since their job market is stronger, then hopefully you can still find something. And there's some areas that that's gonna be hard in. So you have to be more flexible for sure. Um, ideally for an OT, PT couple, if you can travel around California, that's gonna be your best bet um, to find consistent contracts. But it's definitely doable. We know a lot of OT and PT couples that do it. Yeah. Like, like Jared said, you may just have to be a little bit more flexible, but it's definitely doable. Um, we even know an OT and PT couple um, 
TR and Haley that they recently told me that they have not only been able to find consistent jobs together, but that they've always worked in the same facility. And I'm like, always the same facility? How did you find consistently the same facility for the two of you? Pretty crazy, pretty That's cool. That's pretty crazy. Um, Joel says he has a question about tax home. I don't know if he followed up with another. Oh, oh yeah, here's his tax home question. I was at my current location from July 17th to December 15th. I took a 60-day vacation out of the country, came back on the uh, on February 26th for another six-month contract. Does my 52-week stay in the same location restart on February 26th? Um, or does the 52-week end on July 17th? So the thing to keep in mind about uh, tax homes and how long you're able to stay in a certain location, it's a rolling 52-week period. So it's you, you should not be in the same area for more than 52 weeks in any two year period. So just because you left for 60 days, or even if you left for six months, if you worked six months in one location, then you take six months off and you come back for nine months, you're still making that area your tax home. So it doesn't matter how long you take off, if you're still working more than a full year in any two year rolling period, then you shouldn't do it. That's, yeah. If you're ever audited, that's gonna be a, a so main unfortunately, issue. It's not a 52 week period you need to worry about. It's a two year period. So really, because you worked six months there, you need to leave for at least a year. Well, it, let's say you worked for this contract and you ended, you had that 60 days off. So that means that's been 14 months in a 24 month period. You need to take 10 months off before you'd restart back into that same area. Yeah, so roughly a year. So yeah, yeah I wouldn't risk it. Yeah. Hi Liz, Liz says she's an SLP. Hey Joey, Joey says he's a PT. Um, Joel, regarding the job market, said he lucked out during that great time of the job market in 21 and 22 in San Jose, California, thanks to you, Jared and Whitney. Yeah, yeah Joel had some really high paying. Joel was that single PT traveler, working home health, making bank yeah. in the Bay Area. I know he had some contracts paying over 3,000, which is crazy. Yeah, and again, Joel really lucked out and he has had some great opportunities, but Joel's situation is not going to be everyone's situation. Not everyone is gonna be able to consistently find 2,500, 3,000 a week contracts, um, but I'm super glad that you had that opportunity. Yep. Okay, Ali says, good day from Australia. I'm joining late due to internet issues. Um, I had messaged Allie earlier about the OT issue and didn't realize that she was in Australia and it was a 5 a.m. time zone there. And anyway, sorry about that, Allie. Hope I didn't wake you. Um, let's see. Liz says uh, she has not been bait and switched. That is good. That's good. Renee says, I don't know if this is considered baiting, but my contract on a home health assignment was guaranteed 40 hours, but the company wouldn't honor it. And they also wouldn't pay for all my admin hours. Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, if you had it written into your contract, the 40-hour guarantee, then it should absolutely be upheld. If you have it written down, if it wasn't written down, it's a little more of a tricky situation there. Like he said, she said, so we always recommend it is written down. Um, hopefully your company can back you up if it was written down. Um, sometimes the facility might refuse to pay, but usually the travel company will back you up and they'll still pay you. And again, there's a lot of pros and cons of working with big companies and small companies. But often the big companies, they can absorb more of a, a hit like that than a small company can. So if you're working with a really small company, there are situations where they can't, if the facility won't pay, they cannot pay you that because they just don't have the money to. Um, whereas a big company, if they've got three or 400 people on contract, well then paying you for two weeks or something or for a few hours each week is not a big deal to them. So 
pros and cons of big and small companies, but that's one of the pros of working with a bigger company. As far as admin hours, I'm guessing you mean things like making your calls and setting up your schedule for the week and documentation and things like that. That is such a big issue with some travel contracts where they don't want to pay you for anything that's not direct patient care. And you definitely should push back about this because it's a required part of your job. You would not be able to treat those patients if you didn't schedule them, obviously, um, unless they're gonna hire somebody else to do the scheduling for you if you didn't chart review for them, if you didn't write your documentation so they can get paid from the insurance company, then you can't do your job. So it's a part of your job, so you definitely need to fight back on that, but it is a very common issue where they don't wanna pay you for that documentation or admin time. Any company will, will take the opportunity to not pay for hours if they don't have to, obviously. But you have to remember that the law is on your side in this situation. We are hourly employees and any job duties based on the labor laws, you have to be compensated for any hourly, um, any work you do during your hours. So if you push back on that, almost always they will um, they'll give in on it and pay you for those hours. But uh, if they can get away with it, they definitely will not paying you for things. Um, Renee also mentions, I had a dream setting years ago in Santa Barbara. I took a sniff for the experience, but I also wanted to be in Southern California at that time. So yeah, it just depends on, um, you know, sometimes you settle on either the location or the setting, just depending on what your priority is for that contract. Jessica wants to know any data on housing options that most travelers utilize, for example, renting a room, RV, furnished apartments. Uh, we don't have any direct data on it, but um, at least in our subjective experience, all the travelers that we talk to, I would say the majority of people are renting through Furnished Finder and most people are renting like one bedroom private apartments. There are definitely some people that rent rooms and houses, but I would say that's probably 10% or less of travelers. Uh, RVs, again, probably 10% or less. I think most people are finding private housing on a site like Furnished Finder or in Facebook groups. Um, that's probably 75% or more of travelers are doing it that way. Um, Kaylee mentions, Kaylee is a recruiter, she says, if you are a CODA with a California or New York license, then you will stay busy and travel. And that's good to know. Um, definitely good to mention, if you are a CODA, um, California is a great license to get because you can consistently find work there. If you're a CODA who only wants to stay in a less busy state, like say Kentucky or Alabama, you're going to have a harder time finding jobs. Yep. Renee says, I traveled as a new PTA in 2007. I stayed in one spot at a small hospital for nine months to learn. I was mentored and outpatient and did acute. It was a great experience. Yeah, that's awesome. We, we really try to tell new grads that that is like an ideal situation. Try to get somewhere that's a little more laid back, that you can stay for six or nine months and really build your confidence as a clinician because that's one of the things that new grads struggle with the most is just like communication and being confident. And if you can be somewhere for a while and kind of uh, get settled, then that, that really helps with that. And my yeah. first contract was the same way. I did nine months at acute care slash outpatient and learned a lot, had mentorship, and uh, it really helped me be a more uh, confident clinician. Those rural hospitals are hidden gems. I know a lot of people really want big cities, big, exciting places, but if you're a newer graduate who really needs to get some experience and get some training, the rural places are where it's at because they're slower paced, they're more willing to train. If you could commit to about six or nine months at a rural hospital and get both inpatient and outpatient experience, and even some rural hospitals will send you out for home health or they'll have like a skilled unit that's kind of like an inpatient rehab, skilled nursing, you can get it all and learn a lot while getting paid really well because a lot of these rural places are very desperate. Um, so some people who are looking for that mentorship and training, they decide just to take a perm job for the first year. Totally get that, I totally understand that. But literally Jared worked an hour and a half, less, less than two hours from home 
making double than what he would have made at home while getting that training and experience his first nine months. Yeah. And yeah, ideal situation hidden, for hidden sure. Gym. Um, Kaylee reiterated what we said about the OT demand being less and for teams, if you're, it's a PT OT team, find the OT job first and then there's a good chance that you'll find a PT job around there as long as it's a state that have consistent openings for PT travelers. Yep. All right, let's see if we got any more. Joel says, thanks. Thanks for watching, Joel. We appreciate you. Um, Tyler mentions, I've had to put my foot down with unrealistic productivity expectations in outpatient lately. New grads, beware. Don't be afraid to speak up and follow your ethics. Absolutely, Tyler. Yep. Happens all the time. And uh, we were just at the conference talking to some of the recruiters that we were there with. And one of them that we just met, she was saying that she's had a lot of issues with um, people that she's placed in outpatient contracts. Where they interview, they ask about the schedule, and then they get there and the schedule's different than what was discussed. And she was asking for our advice. And that's the hard thing is a lot of us a lot of travelers, they look at it like the the recruiter and the facility are like colluding together. But in a lot of cases, the recruiter is on your side and they also don't want you to be in a bad situation. So they also don't know what to do in those situations. Um, the main thing that we told her and then we tell other travelers is you just have to have a really thorough interview. That's your only insight into what the clinic's actually gonna be like. A lot of times the recruiter doesn't know what the clinic's gonna be like. It's only the manager when you talk to them. Try to keep them on the phone, try to ask them questions, ask the same questions a couple times at different points, see if their answer changes, and you can get a pretty good feel if they're like really being honest or they're just telling you what they want you want to hear to try to get you in the job. Yeah, but if you committed to one thing, if they said the schedule's gonna be like this, if you can try to get it writing in writing, even if it's not on the contract, maybe just an email of what the expectations are gonna be. Say they say, yeah, we'll give you no more than um, five evals a week and 10 to 12 patients, but then you get there and you're having five evals a day and 14 patients, you need to go back and say, listen, this is not what we agreed to in the interview. If you had said this is what it was going to be, I wouldn't have come here and get your recruiter to back you up. If necessary, they often, the travel companies employ what's called a clinical liaison um, who can intervene on your behalf and talk to the facility. They're usually a PT or an OT or a speech therapist that works for the travel company and they can intervene on your behalf. They can also provide mentorship to you over the phone on how to handle these situations. But you have to speak up um, and not just, otherwise they'll just walk all over you if they can't. You have to speak up. Worst case scenario, they end your contract early. And to be honest, that is very rare. It's really uncommon. We've had to, a few different times had to say something about our, our caseload being unmanageable. And every single time that we have, either they have reduced the caseload or they've allowed us to get over time to accommodate the extra work. Yeah. Um, they really, in terms of ending your contract early, it's a lot of hassle for them. So you have to think, it's, it's a lot of hassle for us to go to a new location. It's a lot of hassle for them to interview a bunch of candidates, find somebody that has a start date that'll work, uh, make sure they're qualified, all that stuff. So they, a lot of times if you're already there and you're a good, good clinician, they don't want you to leave and they don't want to end your contract early. So almost always they'll work with you and try to come to an agreement that fixes the problem. And I will say this isn't all travel contracts. Not all travel contracts are bad, but um, I, I would say outpatient private practice is a pretty bad offender of these productivity issues. So definitely make sure to thoroughly screen during the interview. Um, Joel, regarding his good luck streak with his jobs, he said, I've always had a contract of 3K a week ever since. So I'm super glad that, that you're still finding a lot of great contracts, Joel. Yeah. They are out there. California, Arizona, out, or, uh, California and Arizona home health jobs, especially really, really good pay. Um, home health in Alaska as well, it usually pays pretty well. So if you're willing to work home health, you can really find a lot of good jobs. Renee mentions re regarding her situation earlier that the recruiting company did not back her up, so she had to give notice and go with another travel company. So I'm sorry to hear that, Renee. Usually the travel companies are good about backing you up, but every situation is different, so I'm sorry that happened. Yep. 
Um, Liz says, I agree, rural hospitals are great. We think rural hospitals are the best. I know a lot of people wanna be in big cities, but we like rural places. We feel like the caseloads are manageable. People are nice. Um, it's, no it's, a traffic, win. it's a win for us. Laid back, we like it. Kaylee says, she agrees. Those critical access hospitals with mixed settings are great and you can learn so much. Definitely recommend for new grads, especially to get that on your resume. Um, Juan also says, I'm working as a rehab tech in Panama City. While I finish my evaluation credentialing process, I have learned a lot from the outpatient. It's almost spring break in Panama City. It's probably pretty crazy there. All right, and then the last thing, Renee says, it was a good rural hospital in central Washington. It was a gem of an assignment. It was a great little town. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we're over here just like an advertisement for rural <laughs> America, but seriously, guys, I know so many people go into travel therapy just thinking about the big cities. They're like, oh, Denver and, and Seattle and San Diego, but there are just so many hidden gems in our country, and you don't know what's out there until you try it. And I can understand not wanting to be in the middle of nowhere podunk America, but even some like smaller cities or suburban areas that you haven't heard of, don't don't immediately eliminate as, a, as an option because you might find that it's a hidden gem and that you love it there. And it may only be an hour or two from some of those, you know, bucket list places that you want to go on the weekend. Um, but sometimes like the more suburban and rural places are just more laid back and they're easier work environments. Last thing we'll say about this too is, um, yeah, a lot of people think like, oh, it'd be so cool to be in Denver or in San Diego or whatever. But what you have to remember is that when you're traveling, during the week, you're mostly just working and then doing your regular day-to-day -day stuff. Cooking dinner, going going to the grocery store, going to the gym, all that stuff. So Monday through Friday, a lot of times you're not doing a lot of exciting stuff anyway. And then on the weekend, often you're within a couple hour drive of cool places. And so that's what we did is we worked in more rural areas, did our regular stuff during the week, and we took a ton of weekend trips. And we feel like we got the best of both worlds that way because we had more laid back, less traffic during the week, um, uh, Usually could get paid a little higher in those locations, cost of living is less, but then we're able to travel on the weekends to the places we wanted to see anyway. Yeah, um, like recently we had a job on our list for San Diego outpatient and it's like, oh my God, San Diego outpatients is great, everybody wants it, but the pay was only like 17 or $1,800 a week. And it's because they know they're gonna get a lot of applicants even paying that low, which I mean, it's not that low, but for the cost of living in San Diego it is. Yeah. Um, whereas if you go a couple hours outside of San Diego, outpatient, random city you've never heard of, you could be making 2000 2500 a week. So um, definitely keep that in mind. Supply and demand is what I've learned over the years really dictates this job market. All right, so, a few more comments. We're, uh, uh, I think we're good. I think Kaylee's just hammering home the rural hospital and so is Renee. So we've, we've made our point, so. Yep. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for everyone that tuned in live, that asked questions. Um, if you do have more questions later on, if you watch on the replay, you can either leave a comment on the video and we'll go back and answer it on the video, or you can just send us a message directly and we'll be happy to help. Um, again, shoot us a message, whether it's on social media, at Travel Therapy Mentor, or if you just want to email us directly through our website, um, if you want to fill out our recruiter recommendation form, especially if you're looking in the next few months to get started, we'd love to get you connected with the recruiters. Tons of great opportunities out there right now. Again, we know 12 different companies, about 50 different recruiters, so we can definitely point you in the right direction of those that have the jobs that you're looking for and that are a good fit for you. Yep, um, if you're an OT and you're gonna be at the OT conference, let us know, we'll see you there. And uh, if you could give this video a like, we definitely really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for all the engagement tonight. Um, hopefully, about two weeks from now, we'll be, actually, I guess it'll probably be about three weeks until we're back home. And uh, yeah, we'll do another video then. Mm -hmm. 
All right, and let us know if you have any questions or if there's anything you want us to do a video about as well because we're hoping to get back on our regular um, bi-weekly schedule for videos. I know we took a little hiatus there when we were in South America, but all right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Yep, take care. Bye.